Hello, welcome to the Us and Kids podcast. I am glad that you're here with us today. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. My name is Jan Talon, and I'm also a wife, a mom, and a grandma. This Us and Kids podcast is about how to be married forever while you parent together. You and I know it's not an easy task, and that's why I want to be sure that you know how to have the best tips and tricks along the way so that your marriage can be good and your family life can be very, very fulfilling. So today we're going to talk about values and about how to transfer or instill or develop values within our kids. It is not really possible to be value-free because by doing one thing, we choose to do another. It forces decisions and it forces priorities. And much of our living, whether or not we're aware of it or not, is driven by what we value. So let's start out with a definition, okay? And it goes like this. Value is the amount of worth that you give to something or sort of the degree that that something is prized or has merit or has, is precious to you. Values are beliefs. They're things that we think, that things that we consider important to ourselves, important to our well-being, and possibly also things that we think are important to humanity or to the whole world. So I know that one of the things that I value is being kind. And I know that I worked on instilling that in my kids. When we talked, when we parented, we would say, no, that's not kind. Make a different choice. Make a choice that's kind. It wasn't always the choice that they wanted to make because they were little and they wanted to do something that was perhaps more self-protective. And I wanted to be sure that they knew that they could be protected and be kind at the same time because it was a value that I wanted my kids to have. Now, this isn't always that easy because we have to start by knowing our own selves and doing some of our own work around that in terms of knowing what is important to us. Well, how do you figure that out? Watch when you make decisions. Take a week to just watch what decisions you make. Write them down, write your decisions down, and then write down why you made that decision. What emotion or what motive did you have? And you might see that your motive is, I wanted to be on time. You might be that your motive was, I didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to um, be caught speeding. Maybe your motive was, I wanted to be in control. And if my children don't obey me, I'm not in control. You can think of many, many different things. And included in this podcast, of course, there are a few printables that we've included um, from a different website. But they are going to help you when you print them. Watch through a number of different values, and you'll be able to start to notice what ones pop up for you, okay? So be sure to use that printable as you wonder, well, what do I value? What is important to me? Because you're going to pass those things on to your kids. Sometimes what we value is not always what we want to pass on to our kids. Why do we want values? What does it matter? Values do provide clarity. They help us know why we're making a decision, and they help us when we have to make a decision to think about it and to think about what decision would I rather make. We know that our parenting is far more clear when we know what we want, and our kids are less confused, so they can follow our instructions or even who and how we are. 
more clearly and easily if we're not confused about what we value. You see, the more conscious we are of what values we want to give over to our kids, the more effective we will be in doing that, the less confused our kiddos will be in following us, in following our, our directions, our instructions, our expectations. Remember that a value is something that you ascribe worth to, that, you have, that has importance to you. Usually it's a behavior, it's an attitude, certainly it can be an action, it often plays out in actions. So values provide that clarity for ourselves in our own decision making, but also clarity for our kids. In that, of course, then they also provide this guidance, right? Because as we know what we want, what our goals are, it might be the evening time, and I might have a value that says, I want the kids to bed on time because they're dead tired, and then I want to put my feet up. I'm going to lower my value of a neat house because I'm going to raise my value of needing to rest and getting my kids to rest. And so we can move those around, but they help us give guidance to our kids, and they help us in our decisions about how to balance what's going on from day to day to day. Other values, just as you're now wondering about them, it might be hard work, but it might be generosity. It might be free time or rest. It might be independence. Maybe it's being assertive and knowing how to stand up for yourself, knowing how to protect yourself well not letting anybody run you over. When we know our values, then we'll know what battles to pick, where to give and take, because some things won't matter to us as much. I will take kindness over a clean house. If I have to pause to get somebody to learn a lesson around being kind, I will do that and I will leave the dishes because those would be my priorities. Somebody else would say, my brain is crazy. I won't be able to parent well if I don't get the dishes taken care of. And then I'm going to go back to that conversation about being kind. Either way is fine. Just know what you're doing. Be aware of what you're doing. Oh, you're right. Knowing what we want is not always that easy. So I'm going to suggest that you also have a value for yourself of being kind to yourself, of giving yourself room to flex, to change, to say I'm sorry, to give yourself forgiveness and give others forgiveness. I think those are just good living skills, but truthfully, those are also values. There are times when our values can conflict. We just said that, and you have to sort of make a priority control. Some other values that might conflict might be things like, do I want my kids to be curious about things, which is going to make masses, or do I prefer them to have perfect control and have everything organized and laid out? Because curiosity is a little more chaotic. We would do some things in the summer when we lived in California. We would get all sorts of things from the backyard. And then it would be 110 outside. We would get those things from the backyard inside. Not toys, but things from around the yard. And we would bring them inside. And then we would say, now make something. And I would haul out brown paper bags, and they would make things. And they might make an airplane. They might make an art thing. But my curious kids... Always wanted to run back outside. Of course they didn't want to close the door. But they had to get one more pine cone. They had to go find another orange. They had to. And you know, they had to. They were full of curiosity and full of creativity. But my kids that were self-controlled wanted the doors to stay closed, wanted it to be more quiet, and wanted to just focus on their project. Both had to be fine with me 
so that I could let my kids develop their own values. But my kids had different values at that point. They had different ages, a little bit different skill sets, and so they behaved a little differently. And as a parent, I was best if at that point I valued some flexibility. So let's talk about how do we pass on these values, right? Because at some point we got to know how to do that. The first method I'm going to tell you is a method I do not recommend. I'm just going to say that it's often done this way. It's not a very effective way. It's not your best way of doing this. All of us just get too tired sometime, and this is what happens. But let's try to not make it your norm. This approach is called the laissez-faire approach. And what it is, is that we just decide to let our kids figure it out on their own. We just decide to let them mess around with it however they want to mess around with it. So what happens to the kiddos? Because without much guidance, they find that one time kindness worked, but another time kindness was too hard. And so then they turned into being more mean and more pushy or more like a bully. But they weren't very satisfied in their heart with that, even though they couldn't tell it. But it did work. And so because then we didn't engage in the conversation clarifying which one was better, which one was worse, what are you feeling, what are you understanding, which one is best for the long run, if we don't engage in those conversations and we just let them do that, our kids end up not really knowing who they are or how to behave. Because who they are and how they behave is going to feed in later in their teenage years into the who am I, their identity. And that's rather important. So that's why this let the kids figure it out on their own is not really the best method to do that. In our teenage years, even in our tween years, as we're picking friends, if we don't know who we are, we end up picking friends who don't know who we are, and those friends don't make very wonderful decisions. My guess is that most of you are hoping your kids don't end up in jail, don't end up hurting anyone else in a dramatic way. Don't end up being absolutely full of drugs and alcohol and confusion and poor relationships. But that's what can happen. It's a black picture, I agree with you. But that's what can happen when parents aren't involved in helping their kids figure out what are good values to keep and to develop and to treasure within us. So telling you about the laissez-faire so that if you're paying attention, you can decide, I don't think I'm going to do that. I've got to be more intentional and up my parenting game. Mom and dads, you're going to help. You're going to do this together so that you have shared values. And you'll have some differences because of your differences in personality. But as a parenting, you're going to say, what are the three top values we're really trying to give on to our kids? And work at that. Let's talk about a way that actually works. For our young kids, I think when we're zero to one or two, mostly we are just going to make sure that our kids are learning to trust us that we are there for them, we care about them, we are caring for their needs. They aren't left abandoned or in dangerous situations and places where they can't protect themselves and you aren't protective for them. So isn't that those little kids aren't picking up? So I still want you to know what you value. And as now they turn one and a half, two, three, four, five, this is when we begin this method of teaching values to our kids and sharing them. And one of them is, we teach them, we call it moralizing. I don't really like the word, but we're just going to use that word because it works with us, okay? Really what it is is teaching. 
it's not like mounds of words because there's a little kid. So they, for every age, they can take two or three sentences of input. So a two-year-old can take two sentences about why you, they want you to be kind. I need you to be gentle with your sister and kind so that she isn't afraid of you. Okay, that's about all that a two-year-old's going to be able to take, and that's what we would call teaching. We might also call teaching something when we say, to be kind to your sister is to not hit her. If you are mad about something, to be kind to your sister is to come and tell me. And see how I'm just teaching their short sentences. But I'm going to be very specific about what exactly do I mean by this value. Okay, if I'm going to talk, talk about self-control to a little three-year-old who wants to throw a temper tantrum, I might say, okay, I can see you have really big emotions. Let's take some deep breaths. And maybe you want to go jump on the trampoline for a minute. Or maybe we just want to scream for a second and stomp our feet. Let's just do that together. But we're going to show them the value of self-control and emotional release in that moment without giving them permission to just exactly take out their sister or their little brother to throw anything or to break anything. I think more than once, I'm sure I said to a kiddo, I don't care how bad you are. What I do care is whether or not you break things. You can have as big of feelings as you want. You may not hurt someone or something in the process. And so then we then learned what to do with those big emotions. Because I had a value of wanting them to know their emotions, but I also had a value of being sure that they knew that they could have them. I didn't want them to learn to stuff them. To moralize or to teach in this young age is we teach in very short sentences, and we teach in very specific ways. So it's short and it's specific. Exactly what you want them to do with that emotion or with that behavior. Let's move on. There's some benefits to moralizing. You can tell that. If we overdo it, the kids will tune us out. If you do a five paragraphs long, a whole long lecture, I mean, you can see it. You know what happened to you, right? No, we aren't staying there. We aren't listening to that. And they get tuned out. If you only use moralizing this teaching as your only way through all of your parenting years with your kiddos, if that's all you use, then what happens is that the kids learn to only obey you and they don't ever internalize it themselves. So this is the starting point. I'm not saying don't use it, I'm saying this is the starting point, and the point after that is what moves into what we would call modeling. So we did moralizing, now we're doing modeling. Okay, and modeling is when you live it for them. You show it and you do it around them and with them. This is a little harder because it does require you to actually live what you believe. Um, my parents have a wonderful example of this. Um, we lived in a Christian-based family, and my, my family believed, my folks believed, that it was important to share their resources and their spaces with people who had less. And they did that mostly through our church, but in the way that our church took care of some Cuban refugees way back when, probably way back before you were born, but they took in Cuban refugees, and then they took in Cambodian refugees, and then they took in kids that were working for my dad's business who were homeless, and they lived in my mom and dad's house. This is my mom and dad living what they believed. They didn't talk about it. 
They didn't say, because this is what Jesus wants us to do. They simply said, well, they need a place to be. They have to have something. We have room. And they modeled it. I learned many things by watching them do it. They didn't have to preach it. We just saw them generously give what they had. They had boundaries around it. Sometimes we wondered, you sure that guy's safe in our house? We don't know anything about him. Mom and Dad just lived it quietly and steadily. This is what modeling is. When we have done the moralizing, the teaching about it, and they did do that when we were younger, but as we moved into our teen years and our 20s, Mom and Dad continued to model it. We never knew quite who was over for a family dinner. Why is modeling so important as our kids get older? Because our kids are going to do what we do. They are going to follow us. And they are far more influenced by our actions than just by our words. They are most influenced when our actions match our words. And that's really what mom and dad did, is they talked it, but they acted it way louder. And together they taught us kids, me and my siblings, to share what we have, to live generously, to live our faith and our love for others the way Jesus did day to day. Let's go on to you. If you want your kids to be kind to their siblings, but you are not kind to your kids, that's a mixed message. If you want your kids to put their room together and make their room neat, but you can't seem to figure out how to get your room neat, it's a mixed message. And the kids are going to do more what you do than what you say. Now, they'll pick up their room because they're scared of you, but not because you're learning to value that having an organized room or an organized house helps to organize our brain and helps us to have less anxiety. There are some tricks to modeling or some things that make it a little bit harder. You see, if you only model it and you don't talk about it, then it's an incomplete. The kids have to draw their own conclusions about why you're doing what you're doing. And if you model it and you talk it, those two things together, then it becomes very, very, very powerful. It's important, you can hear me say, that we clarify the values. This helps us to, as our kids grow, so this is our 5, 6, 7, 8, 10, 15, 18-year-olds, even older than that. But we use this place of talking about why did we choose what we do? What do we value? So that our kids can then also think about it and go, well, this is why I did what I did. We want them to learn from us, but boy, I sure want to know how their brain is thinking, don't you? Why did you make that decision? Had a conversation with one of my daughters in her teenage years, and in listening to her, we were pretty ticked. She had made a decision we were not happy about, and as we listened to her, we all of a sudden went, whoa. She picked a really kind, scary decision and decided to take the fall for a friend because the friend was going to get in way bigger trouble than what she thought she would ever get in trouble with us. And so she took the fall. We had a different attitude in our response towards her actions when we figured out what her motive was, and it was protecting her friend. Well, that's different, isn't it? When you have conversations with your kids, even when they're little, not just when they're teenagers, but when they're five and six, saying, tell me what you, why, why you wanted to do that. 
Uh, you hear my voice because that nonverbal is so important. Tell me why you wanted to do it that way. And you'll hear an answer. When your question is safe, you will hear them give you an answer. And it will be worth knowing because then you will have information about how your kid is processing and how they're building the value and whether or not you want to give it more teaching or more modeling or if you just want to just be grateful and affirm and encourage them. You see, when the kids can verbalize it themselves, now they're internalizing it so that when you're gone, they'll be able to continue to live it. And really, that in my mind, that's one of my goals for parenting is for them to have values that will keep them safe and will help them also help others be safe, to help them grow and be the best they can be under the worst of circumstances. I don't know what your goals are for your kiddos, but as we set those goals based on our priorities and our values, then we can start to parent into those. And when we see them begin to blossom and grow, we can go, oh, yes, this is good. I really want that for you, to be able to parent into that space. So how do you do this? Obviously, you use those teachable moments. Involve your kids in what you're doing. Whatever is good and noble and right that you are doing, include them in it. If it's sharing a meal with a friend, if it's helping your neighbors with mowing the yard, if it's stopping by and helping somebody change their tire, if it's just learning how to be still and respecting somebody's quiet space, standing down so that somebody else can be okay, listen to what you value, and let your kiddos learn how to live into some of that. Be sure that when you see the good stuff happening, that you say so. They don't need like a, a certificate and a big balloon party every time it happens. Often that touch on the shoulder that says, just saw that. You just gave that flag back to your sister. Thank you. The end. Walk away. No more teaching. No more nothing. Acknowledge it. Standalone sentence lets it sink in. So you see what we can do here is... As we parent our kids through the years, we teach them how to do it, live it ourselves, and then we're going to help our kids clarify it and understand why they did what they did and be able to say it themselves. And in that, we raise kids that are assertive, assured of themselves, and not afraid to be helpful or generous to other people around. They learn good boundaries and they learn how to move those boundaries appropriately for different situations. It's not easy being a parent. I'll give you that all day long. And it's not easy because we have to know ourselves and we have to understand our kiddos. It's hard work. It is worth the work. In that, we have the Us and Kids Communication Program, and that program certainly will give you more tools for how to communicate well with your spouse, how to learn more about your own emotions and how they bring out the values in you, and then also how to communicate with your spouse and your kids about what your goals and your desires are. We use a method called DNA. It's define your hopes and your dreams specifically for the day, for the conversation, for the week, but also for the year and for the lifetime. Define your hopes and your dreams. 
Choose your necessary skills from the eight modules of skills, communication skills that we will teach you. And then A, apply those skills well for your everyday life. We'll teach you how to apply them to your kiddos as well as to your adult relationships. And in that, your conversations become fun. They become fulfilling. They can become unlimited. We're not scared to talk about anything. And they become naturally good. It's a really fun, fulfilling, um, just enjoyable way to live everyday life. So join us there through the Us and Kids website. Thank you for joining me today. There are printables included here. There um, are linked to a different website, but they are wonderful in terms of how they will help you look at values and remember some of the things we talked about today. I appreciate you joining us. Have a good day. Bye-bye. <music>